Many of us are already planning our New Year's resolutions to work out more in 2023. But let's face it, they rarely stick. Well, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, cycling shoes, heart rate monitors, and more with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. Don't wait. Get this offer before it ends on December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Hi, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Black Scott Pods. And if you've not been here before, I'm your host, Susie. And I'm your host, Shirley. And today we've got a super, super special guest. We have got Farida Abike Yimide. Have I said that right? Yes. Awesome. Oh, honestly, I get so like nervous because I'm like, you should know. (laughs) (laughs) That pressure is actually real. (laughs) I feel that. Um, okay, so we um, have got Frida on because she is doing some super amazing stuff in the space. She's got an amazing novel, um, book series sort of starting to come out on the 10th of June. Have I got that date right? Yes. Um, so yeah, so just tell us a little bit um, about yourself. I grew up in London and I moved to Scotland for university in 2017. Yeah, I'm not really sure. When people ask what to tell, like, to tell them about myself, I'm always like, who am I anyway? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Like, I literally don't know who I am and yeah. I am seeing 30, basically. <laughs> don't say it like that. <laughs> what did you move to study um, over here? Okay, um, English literature. At first I was studying um, anthropology as well. I realized that anthropology is just basically neo-colonialism. And it's just like a bunch of like white guys who like to travel to Africa. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah. What made you say like, truly, this isn't for me? Like, was there one specific thing in the course that you were like, nah, actually, this is not it? It was kind of continuous. Like ever since first year, I was always like, this isn't for me. But like, I think what was keeping me there was that I like the idea of it, like trying to understand other cultures. Mm-hmm. And I left in third year. So like, obviously there's four years in Scot- like Scottish universities. And oh, so I was wow. late before I decided it was enough. But like, what really got me out was the last lecture I had was just so racist. Um, oh my God. And I, I like caught him out on it and he gets really defensive. And then I reported him to one of the heads of the department and mm-hmm. he just was like, oh, um, there's nothing we can really do about it. And he kind of what? was, me, and it was really awful. And I've heard this guy has been like reported a lot, but like no one ever does anything. So oh my gosh, that is uh, ridiculous. And obviously they didn't hear you out or did they even follow up or anything like that? They just left it there. They literally just left it there. And then I just dropped out and they were like, oh my God. that is oh. crazy. Well, I'm really sorry for that because you would think for, you know, like a subject like that where you want to truly explore like the human stuff, like you would want to make sure you've got it right, you know? You know what I... I'm always saying that, like, it's so weird that 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 type of subject has so many people that are a specific type of way, but Mm -hmm. I realize that obviously they'd be that way because they can hide behind the subject and be like, Mm. well, I'm someone who has years of like training and like education in these matters and so they can hide behind it rather than actually 
you know, mm-hmm. any um, like unpacking of their own behaviors and stuff. Yeah, I think that um, is, you're right. The unpacking yeah. part, I think people find for some reason they can't look at themselves truly and say, oh, actually I need to unpack and I need to deal with these things and I need to rectify like where I need to rectify. Yeah. For some reason, accountability just seems to be a scary scary thought for people and institutions that is very true unfortunately so speaking of your upbringing and stuff how did you find it growing up in London because like so Shirley and I (laughs) are like literally the only two black kids you know in school alternating taking the 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 insults and whatnot how did you find it so of growing up in London like from your perspective so it's like just completely different like I grew up in a place called Croydon in mm-hmm. South London, mm-hmm. and um, my school was like ninety something percent black. Mm. Um, them wow! Around. Yeah, I could go days without seeing a white person. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> the UK! Yeah. Wow! Oh my wow. God! <laughs> Guys, these are crazy statistics for me. <laughs> black and Asian in my school, and um, oh. no one else. Like there was maybe one white girl in my year, and then she left. It's really difficult to fathom, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, yeah. How did you find it when you then moved to Scotland for uni? Like, was it just, like, day and night? Yeah, it was a culture shock. I was just, like, I, I was just, like, I, I was in shock for such a long time. Like, I'm thinking <laughs> of my first year, I was in shock because I, like, when I got there on the first week, I was just silent. Um, when my mum went back to London, I just felt really sad. And then some, oh. the culture even is different. Like people drink to like levels I can't even. <laughs> right. I was in my bedroom and I could hear like people partying outside. And then I heard someone playing back. And then um, that made me cry. I don't know why. Oh no. <laughs> and I actually like oh. the sound of the bagpipes. I just solidified the fact I was not in London anymore. Yeah, no, yeah. that's true. Yeah, yeah. that's actually very, very true. And you're, you're in Aberdeen, right? For uni. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're even further, further up away from sort of like yeah. anything that's a big city. Yeah, like where did you guys grow up? We grew up in Musselburgh, which is okay. like about 45 minutes out from Edinburgh. But that okay, was cool. just still very, very strange because at least with some kids in Edinburgh, there's still some schools that have like, you know, at least like 15% of like black people or like other people of other minorities. Whereas in Musselburgh, it was still very much just us. Yeah. Yeah, if you think of the whitest Scottish town that you can think of, then you're pretty close, like, with Musselburgh, like, it's... Yeah. That sounds um, kind of awful, but also, like, (laughs) Aberdeen is not as bad as it sounds. I think there's some, for some reason, there's, like, a really big Nigerian population. So you kind of had a huge big culture shock, and you found loads of people were just drinking all the time. It's like a party, not a a party atmosphere. No, it is a party atmosphere. Let's not all lie. We all know this. Like, when it comes to Scotland, it becomes to freshers and whatnot. Yeah. And I don't These drink. people, they do be drinking. Awful. So how did you find it? How was, like, making friends and stuff? I think I left uni with maybe one or two friends. But, like, mm-hmm. it's really difficult to say because I have no friends in my year. I've got acquaintances, maybe. Like, my um, flatmates for first year, I get along with them well. Generally, I had no friends. Um, the friends I did leave with, I kind of met them very late and kind of, in a really... We didn't hang out, basically, during university a lonely experience i had to go on antidepressants in my second year because i was just so yeah. um, i'm really sorry to hear yeah yeah it was really difficult um just the whole experience but i genuinely love scotland i think it's so pretty and like ch- like everybody's just chill here 
but um, mm-hmm. there are issues like you know the racism. I don't know if you guys have experienced this. Um, public transport and people don't sit next to you. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. One hundred percent. Um, I do totally get that. I used to hate it at the beginning when I was younger. I used to always feel like as if like I stank or something. But yeah. now, like I'm just like, yeah, you go sit, go, go, go. Yeah, I, I got two seats, two seats. <laughs> <laughs> So was this sort of new to you in your area? You would obviously get a bus and nobody really cared. But obviously coming to Scotland where people are incredibly, I don't even know what the word is, but to the point where they won't sit beside you. Like, how did that feed into your experience? At first, I was just really like, at first I actually gaslit myself and was like, maybe there's just something I'm giving off, like an anything. Uh, or maybe they know I'm not Scottish or something. And then uh, I spoke to other friends and some friends who actually grew up in Scotland and were black. And mm-hmm. uh, they were like, oh no, this is how it is here. Um, mm-hmm. And at first I was upset, but then when you get a whole train carriage to yourself, it becomes like a VIP experience. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> like you're right, totally reframe the whole experience. Mm-hmm. So you are choosing not to sit with me because of my skin tone. Whereas in actuality, I'm getting the full cabin and now you're all packed like sardines in that other one because you <laughs> can't sit beside me. Well, enjoy smelling each other's B.O. So. <laughs> exactly. I like that one. You know, <laughs> the drinks cart is still going to pass through here. So <laughs> I'm going to have all the snacks to myself. So forget about it. Nah. Like, I'm really sorry that you've actually had, like, these experiences. And I wish I could say, like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't happen that often. But, like, Shirley and I have definitely had our fair share of basically the worst experiences and the most covert of racism. Like, some some of it will hit you days later. Like, when you're really having a think about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It literally, like, um, in my first year, a white guy called me the N-word. And mm. I had never, like, had someone my age. Like, I've had, I've had like, it happen once when I was, like, younger. Um, mm-hmm. It was a drunk old guy. And um, at first, I was just in shock. And so it took a few days, and I was unpacking it. And I was like, oh, my God. And I kind of felt shaky. I was just really just shook. Like, I just didn't know what to think. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get any help from the school? Uh, no, I actually, there was like, actually teachers around, like, um, you know, Nightstar, mm-hmm. uh, they were around when it happened, because I have insomnia, I usually just hang out in, like, there's a center um, mm-hmm. where you can go to and play games or watch TV at night, and so mm-hmm. there are a bunch of, like, students that go as well, and um, they were around and they saw it happen, and um, one of them laughed, actually, and uh-uh. they couldn't stop laughing, and then... Um, the white boy saw my reaction and started crying because he knew that like this could go bad for him. And he started like, crying. Oh my! Oh my god! And then they were all like comforting him, and they came out to me and was like, you know, he's really upset. Like, so this I is stuff. And did he get his comeuppance or? I don't think so. Because actually, funny enough, one of the first people. So I did have, I did make like um, people that I was friends with for very brief moments, but then something would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I was friends mm-hmm. with this white girl. And she was friends with him and she kind of defended him. Um, And I still stayed friends with her because I was just kind of like, you know, I need to just, I don't know what I was thinking because I was Mm. this person before, but then I felt myself kind of reducing myself when I got to Scotland, like becoming more smaller, like Mm -hmm. in the, kind of shrinking in. So, um, which is very traumatic, I think. But um, yeah, so 
she actually continued being friends with him and so I had to hang out with him still after that and then he threatened to like one time like in the middle of the final semester he like threatened me physically oh my god yeah it's really infuriating and it is is maddening because you've got this story and I can almost certainly guarantee there'll be people say oh well it's just a word you know it's Uh. just they'll use whatever justification school it's that but at the end of the day he had absolutely no right yeah to say any of that he absolutely had no right to threaten you with yeah, and like every single person who didn't speak up absolutely like failed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely like, failed completely in every single area you can as a human being. Sorry, but mm-hmm. you failed as a human being. Mm-hmm. And just like speaking to reducing yourself, we totally can like resonate with that because it took a long time for us to come back into ourselves. This country mm-hmm. can sometimes do that to you. Like you said, you know, you went from, um, you know, like a community where you had like 90% black people, where it's like near enough 98% white people all the time, every time, in every single position that you can't like, you know, you can't relate. And it does, it does do that to you. It makes you, it makes you doubt who you are and what you should do. But you know, what? I was totally say like all your amazing achievements. I hope they're crying. They should be. I honestly feel really like going through all of that but I was already like an adult almost basically but Mm -hmm. like thinking about people actually growing up in that space Mm -hmm. it really broke my heart because I was thinking you don't even you're constantly code switching as a Mm -hmm. child and so then become I don't even know if you would even understand who you are by the time you're an adult because you just have been traumatized constantly by being in these extremely white racist spaces so I just Mm -hmm. I was like experiencing this as an 18, 19, 20 year old. And I just can't imagine experiencing that as a 12 year old. Yeah, um, it was it was shocking. You know, the first day that I like literally I got off the plane and in 24 hours, I'd already been called the N word. Wow. No way. (laughs) I was 10. I was literally walking. My mom was like, "Okay, I trust you to go outside and go and buy some sweets for a pound. And bear in mind, um, the flat that we lived in was on, on the high street. So I didn't have to go far. I had to go maybe 10 meters away from the house. And in that 10 meters, somebody already called me the N-word. Like, what? Well, we're still at a point where in this town, well, as we all know, I've been here for years, like years. It's not even a question now. Do you know what I mean? You should know me by now. You've seen me grow up. I still get looked at like, who, 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 who's this black person? Yeah, walking through the high street, like you will literally see the elderly people like question amongst each other and like nudge each other to be like, "What's what's the situation with the Negro girl?" Like, <laughs> like I can't, I physically can't. <laughs> it's 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 crazy because when you have to look at all that stuff, like as, growing up as a child, you don't actually like. I personally, I didn't think about it. I didn't think about it. I didn't look at it in a certain way. It's not up until you're an adult and you're messed up for like God knows what reason, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's why." that's the reason Mm -hmm. that's why I can't do certain things or be a certain way and it's like questions like oh like you're so white or you're so this or you're so that it's like well what do you expect I have no black culture surrounding me how do you expect me to be like okay within yourself like (laughs) especially because when they reference black culture it's never anything you know positive it's not positive to have those like that ancestry or to have that experience as a black person they're like 
Um, okay, so let's move on to sort of chat, having we chat about um, Ace of Spades, which is your book that is incoming. How did you come up with the concept? So I have always loved writing and um, I wrote like a few manuscripts when I was like in sixth form, just to like practice and everything, just to prove that I could write like something because it's so hard to finish a book because it's like at least 50,000 words. Um and so, yeah, I just was like writing all the time since I was young. And then I got to uni and I mean, I don't know if you guys have this experience, but I um, was so panicked about what to do in the future because I had already felt like I was disappointing my parents, even though they, they never said I was, they were very happy I was in uni, but mm-hmm. I just felt like they wanted me to do something else like science or like um, law. So I was just kind of like, okay, I need to kind of like get my head together and like, I've got these four years to do English and also pursue what I actually want to do. And then after the four years, I have to actually find a job. So I was like, okay, try and just do what you want to do while you can. Cause I think university is like the only time you can actually explore stuff. Like you can go on holiday without taking time off work and stuff. Yeah. So I basically got into my first year and I just had so much free time because number one, I didn't, I don't have friends. <laughs> so I was like always in my room. I don't drink, so I just mm-hmm. don't go out either because thing is you can go out with people that drink, but in Scotland it's just people don't drink socially in the same way. Like Yeah. It's, it's a bit really, oh my god, it's just It's out <laughs> out, isn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's the extreme or nothing. Um yes. <laughs> so I just I just stayed inside a lot and I just um had nothing no one to talk to, nothing to do. So I was watching a lot of TV for the first time. I'm not really a TV person. I like got Netflix for the first time and I was like, okay, let me just watch random things. So I asked one of my friends for like recommendations. Um, She's my friend from London uh, and we have the same taste. And she just said, oh yeah, watch Gossip Girl, watch um, Orphan Black. So I watched both of those. And then I watched Gossip Girl for the first time. I actually, she used to tell me to watch it when we were 12, but mm-hmm. I really hooked on Pretty Little Liars. So I was like, I need to. Oh watch. my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. What a disappointing ending though. Um, I know. Okay. that. Okay. You're, you're in the right podcast right now because we are some <laughs> TV babes. We love sort of science fiction type stuff like we love an angsty like teen drama like oh, all yeah. of that stuff so gossip girl has had me for, like, for years for years like <laughs> i'll like be I'm watching good. every so often like when i get depressed i'm like yep gossip girl perfect for that like just like uh. a hug from like the, <laughs> i the, know right xoxo oops tears rolling down your gossip eyes gossip girl <laughs> you guys seen the trailer for the new gossip girl no, no, I don't want to. I, I, what, what are they playing at? Oh, no. It looks good. Girl. Is it, is it a new new cast? Or what was it? Doing? It is a new cast, but it's like not a reboot. It's like a continuation. Okay. Oh. Okay. They're the new generation and like they're going to be referencing Blair and Serena and stuff. And they might okay. be there. Or doing cameos. They could they could do like because um, they kind of said it was on the table. Okay. I just need to see... I just need to see him one more time. And you all know who I'm talking about. Because we all started hating him, but we all love him now. Because Chunk took my heart and he done something with it. And I don't know. Because he was the creepiest little freak in the first season. Like, when you actually look back in the first season, you actually, you want to vomit in your mouth. You want yeah. to vomit. And then you're like, but, but Chuck. I, I feel some type of way, guys. I just didn't get the hype for him at first. Because, like, in the first season, even his hair, 
is just not doing it. <laughs> it was not going left. left. <laughs> his hair, my hair. But he just, he just drastically changes from season two and his hair's like properly done and he's now got emotions. So, Do you think that he didn't test yeah. well the audience that were like, kill him, but <laughs> at the same time, like we really like how he looks, so we're confused. <laughs> Tweak the script, please. <laughs> so what other shows were you into? So Gossip Girl, Pretty Little Liars. Liars. Did you get into Rosewood? Black. I didn't get Off into Black, Rosewood, yes. but I loved um, Teen Wolf. Oh my goodness. I still have the biggest crush. Um, oh god, what's his name? It's Dylan something, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't get oh there. Gosh. I haven't been oh, there yet. You need to. It's you really good. To. I will be watching it. It's actually like, it's still good. It still holds up. Give Surely, me something to binge. If you like a teen drama, like angst, watch Teen Wolf. It's, it's so, so good. Yes. He it's was so actually. He's so comedic, actually, yeah. It's not just him, it's the coach as well. Like, the coach hates children, and he's just hilarious. <laughs> okay, I'm giving that a try. I loved Jane the Virgin before um, Gina Rodriguez became <gasps> annoying. Wait, what I happened? Was... Why is she annoying? Oh, God. You don't know. Guys, <laughs> oh, no. no. Talk to me. Nah, okay, again, can we talk to me, uh, please? What happened? <laughs> a problematic one. God damn. This is what happens sometimes in Hollywood. Yeah, see, time and time again, people who should not be given the microphone. Oh, dear. I think the crux of it is, like, she doesn't really recognize sort of uh, black Afro-Latinas, like, in the whole conversation on, like, race equality and all that stuff. But fundamentally, what? like, she doesn't really understand. She was... Was she getting her makeup done or something? She was on IG Live or something like that. And she starts rapping lyrics to like some some song and she's thinking she's like it and she's so cool. Da, 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 da. Starts rapping the N-word and then she just doesn't even do a proper apology. Um about like why she's doing this and she's just kinda like I'm sorry if you were offended, but it's it's just a lyric. Live, that's the worst part. It was literally she posted it. She so she there was actual full conscience and like okay I like this I like this content yes let me post yes and then you know obviously people are upset rightfully but she's like okay yeah but it's just a post like get over it but like okay but Gina you have such a platform but I think problematically like well the thing about her is. I guess it's just that part where she's saying that she's really, you know, fighting for the rights of the Latinx community. But in her doing so, she's sort of excluding the black Afro-Latinas. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, you're either fighting or you're not. She hates black people. Um, mm-hmm. And it comes through and just the way she speaks about them and stuff. I just can't stand her. She ruined it for me because I loved that show so much. And I yeah. I mean, friends would like be texting each other like are you watching this season and stuff and then mm-hmm. she said all her nonsense towards like season four and five and so it just the ending wasn't like fun for me you didn't really care about oh, Jane because he's just so shame. she's awful but yeah oh um, girl i'm actually really really sad for you because like when i watched the ending it was actually really magical i like, cried at the end but like course, i didn't yeah. care her. i cared more about like like, you know the ending where they reveal who the voice of the show is? I just started crying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Welling. Welling. <laughs> oh, were you Team Raphael or Team Michael? No, I was Team Raphael the whole way. Same. Same. The whole way, I was like, nah, they started about Michael. I just did not like Every single time he kept coming back, I kept getting angry. I was like, that's <laughs> it. It was a time when they were, getting ready, they were ready to get married. Spoilers. <laughs> I'm... Um, 
on the it's other season too. People, people <laughs> should know about me right now. I'm spoiler queen. I can't help myself. I can't. I can't. I can't keep it in me. I can't. I can't. <laughs> the anger is real, and it happened so long ago. You know, Susie cried after like two months after I ruined um, Endgame for her. <laughs> like the movie came out two months ago, and you want to tell me about spoilers? <laughs> Raw. But <laughs> I said I'll get to it when I get to it. But <laughs> nah, it's just not. It's not happening. But now, nah, like honestly, like I can't believe I can't. I hate when you like think like like people, and then you find out that like. I'm afraid to declare who I actually like. <laughs> like what about you, Frida? Is there like you know you've 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 got inspirations like people that have inspired you? But are you sometimes like before I say this out loud, let me actually just Google. Yeah, I never like idolize anyone. So like I have yeah. like oh I like their work here and stuff, but I I never get upset anymore because there's no one in Hollywood where I'm like I would die for you. So True. it's just kind of like whenever it happens, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Be prepared. You're always prepared. Exactly. It's happened too often that I'm just like, okay, let me protect myself. It's happening way too often these days. It's crazy. Going back to Ace of Spades. So you've talked about the things that have inspired you. So you say that um you had written a few practice manuscripts um just to sort of do this sort of proof of concept that you could sort of do the whole the novel and stuff but like what got you started specifically onto ace of spades so it was literally finishing gossip girl and around the same time i had like watched get out and also i had also watched dear white people and um i was loving all of the content and stuff and i really wished that gossip girl was more diverse and i just loved um how get out was so interesting and kind of mm. so fresh and new to the genre and I also loved how Dear White People just was, like, about Black people being messy. And I just wanted to combine all of that and, like, write something in that way. And actually, just before I started writing Ace of Spades, I had been querying. I don't know if you know what querying is in the context of publishing. No, but to get a book deal, you have to get an, a literary agent. But, like... Mm-hmm traditional book deal not like self-published or anything so mm-hmm. self-published you can do everything by yourself but um it's a lot more complicated than that um and I don't have much expertise there but to get like a publishing deal with like the big publishers and to get like an advance and everything just to be in bookshops and stuff you need to have an agent they don't accept manuscripts from just people that are unrepresented you have to first get through that first kind of barrier um and so I had been like writing this book about like college students and I was sending it out to agents and I was getting so many rejections. I got like over 100 rejections on that book alone. Oh my God. And it was really difficult. And so I wrote Ace of Spades kind of like as I was taking a break. I wanted to just write something I would enjoy. Mm -hmm. Actually do well because I don't know. I think publishing is so white um, and often you have to sanitize your voice and stuff in order to get published. That's Mm -hmm. what I felt anyway. And so Mm -hmm. I was writing it just for me. And then I finished writing it. so I wrote it in February of my first year um, and I finished it in like 28 days, the first draft. Wow. And I then like was editing and everything and um, I then began to query. And after like, I think three or four months of querying, this one was going a lot better than my other manuscripts that I had queried before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after about three or four months of querying, I finally got an offer of representation from my first agent. So I've got a new agent now. 
parted ways with my first agent, but like we were together for like two years. And she's. Many of us are already planning our New Year's resolutions to work out more in 2023. But let's face it, they rarely stick. Well, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, cycling shoes, heart rate monitors, and more with the purchase of a Peloton bike, bike plus, or tread. Don't wait. Get this offer before it ends on December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Sold my book in the UK to Osborne in 2018. That is amazing because of course Osborne is like one of the sort of bigger publishers in the UK and and like all that stuff so like how did that feel so I was actually in a lecture when I got the email um it was my second year like the beginning of second year because I got my age at the end of first year then in the Mm -hmm. summer we were like editing the book together then in September we went on submission to publishers and then I was in my first one of my first lectures of the year and I got like an email saying that um, there was interest from a few publishers. And then I had to go and find a place to like have a phone call. During the day. <laughs> yeah. And it was just so like weird. Like it was, um, it was such a surreal experience. I was so happy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was just really, really strange. Honestly, I can't imagine no more surreal moment than being in a class surrounded by so many people, but this deeply personal and deeply life-changing thing is happening in front of you on a phone but you have to be present in the (laughs) lecture lecture. jeez actually it was a seminar I just remembered it was a seminar so it was like really because I remember I was next to someone and I made like a I think I'd I'd had a reaction or something (laughs) and they looked at me and I hid my phone (laughs) yeah I can't imagine keeping a straight face (laughs) just you just have to excuse yourself oh sorry sorry I just picked my stuff up oh sorry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> slam the door on your way out somewhere. <laughs> that is that is like seriously that's fantastic that's like a dream moment mm-hmm. so you got quite a lot of interest from a lot of like different uh publishers and people like wanting to to get there but how did you sort of like yeah how did you deal with that whole situation I guess how to choose a publisher yeah um so I spoke to, you kind of speak to the publishers on the phone, like you speak to the editor, because when you're, mm-hmm. when you're submitting to a publisher, you're submitting to an editor. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, for example, in Penguin, they have so many divisions. So there are different editors for different things. The editors that work on nonfiction cookbooks, you would submit to them mm-hmm. if you write that. So I was submitting to one of the editors, well, my, my agent was submitting on my behalf to one of the editors that worked on specifically what I write. So mm-hmm. like, okay. YAA and like mystery thrillers and like that type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So basically you speak to, to the, they know what they're, they're doing and they kind of have worked on this before. So you speak to different editors. So it's not necessarily who's the best for like thrillers or mysteries. It's just the one that like um, connects with the story the best and like right. really feel like they understand mm-hmm. what you're doing. So I spoke to my editor, Becky, and I just knew straight away she was so enthusiastic and she all her notes and like her what she was saying just aligned completely with what I had thought about with my book. So I knew mm-hmm. that was definitely the perfect person for to edit my book. Oh, that's fantastic. And you've sort of had that sort of support from within. Well, to understand, I guess, where you're also coming from as a young black writer. Yeah, I was actually really surprised because I didn't expect like a non-black person to really understand 
what I was trying to do. Mm. And while they would never understand it fully, I think she definitely got what was needed. And yeah, it's really strange because I just, even having like a white uh, literary agent, I was surprised as well. It's just Mm -hmm. like, um, at the end of the day, it's kind of like a business. And so um, if you have someone that's compatible with you business-wise, it just, it's always better. It's also really good that you've got that support and you feel that you can absolutely rely on on the people around you to get you to where you need to be and not just that, but absolutely excel in it. Yeah. Yeah. And back to the sort of book itself, like, can you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, yeah. So the book is about these um, two black kids and then the only black people in their entire school. And it's like at a, set at a private school um, mm-hmm. called Nivius Academy. And they are polar opposites. Devon is a music student. He's very quiet and like he's just really here to put his head down and like get out of high school. And mm. Maka wants mm-hmm. to be the popular girl. She's the queen bee at the school, and she she wants to be like just the best of of everything. She's like Nigerian, and she's like just really she believes in just being excellent. And um, mm. they're just polar opposites. And they have to kind of come together when an anonymous texter starts spreading both of their secrets around the whole school and they have to kind of find out who's doing this and why. Coming up with like a thriller book, like what kind of research did you do? Um, actually, no, let's even go back a wee bit. So are you like, like sorry, do you read like a lot of um, young adult books and novels and stuff? Yeah, I've been reading them since I was like 12. And so... Mm-hmm. I've kind of grow, grown up reading them and like loving them. What's your favorite book? I don't have a favorite. I've got like so many favorites. Um, do you mean specifically mean my favorite young adult books? Yeah, within young adult, what titles do you want to call out to? Um, there's a book called The Black Flamingo by Dean mm-hmm. Atta. It's amazing. Dean actually lives in Scotland. Um, he lives in Glasgow oh. with his partner. And that book is just brilliant. And uh, I really love anything by Jason Reynolds but like specifically his book, Long Way Down. The mm-hmm. thing that these books both have in common, um, their commonality is that they're both written in verse. Okay. Um, and so it's not like straight up prose. It's just like, it's almost like poetry, but it's not like it's, it is poetry, but it's like written as if it's like, I don't know how to describe it. You'd have to see it, but it's just a really quick okay. And um, mm-hmm. they're both amazing. Um, I love Angie Thomas. Anything she writes, she's just an amazing author. She wrote The Hate You Give. Ooh, okay, oh. yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I really yeah. love On The Come Up, which is basically about a black girl who wants to be a rapper. And, like, oh. it's just amazing. She's just a good writer. Um, I have so many favorites. I just, like, I'm constantly reading books, and I'm like, this is amazing. Uh, I loved Cassandra Clare's books growing up. You might know yeah. uh, <laughs> show that I don't watch and I don't acknowledge. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, her books, I loved them growing up. I love a lot of things. Yeah, I don't really limit myself to one genre it's just YA in general mm-hmm. yeah I feel that um so Farida what's your writing process sort of from imagination to sort of page like what do you do I kind of plan a bit um I really don't like going in like blind and then I try my hardest to get like a perfect first page which isn't necessarily have to be perfect just like has to be kind of feel final to me because like even my like with ace of spades the first like few pages have been the same since the beginning um mm-hmm. I've gone through so many drafts of the book and then i also have to like 
I have to kind of plan the characters as well um, and what they're going to be like. And I like to plan the twists ahead of time. And, okay. Uh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm always really bad with endings. And so the endings always come last. That's good. I, I love that. So do you go on the journey sort of with your characters in a way? Not necessarily because I know kind of where I want it to kind of end in the sense of like how I want it to feel when it ends. I've planned most of it. So it's mostly just going on the journey I've planned, but then looking at the most interesting way to end once I get there. Mm -hmm. How do you stop yourself like from being a perfectionist? How do you stop yourself from being overly critical of your work and not rewriting something like your 10,000 times because you think you can get, you know, like I, I can make it better when it's kind of already better. It's something you learn like as you're writing. Cause when I was like first writing a book, I had to like, constantly go back and like correct things because I was like not happy with it mm-hmm. but then um when like you've written a lot of things you have like you start to realize that it's never going to be 100% as you wanted it to be in your brain and also we're more critical than actual readers will be some of the my favorite authors they'll be like oh yeah I didn't like writing this book and I'm like how so mm-hmm. I just did that as well um and yeah it's kind of imposter syndrome you kind of just have to um, remind yourself that like you're your worst critic. And something that I do that I know a lot of authors do as well is I look at the one star reviews of my favorite books because it kind of reminds you that like whatever you do, no one's, not everybody's going to like it. And even literally there are people out there that think it's the worst writing ever. So I, I can totally see that, like, especially with imposter syndrome. But you'd sort of mentioned, like, you know, you hadn't really had sort of the best experience going to uni and stuff. Do you think that's kind of influenced, like, how you write or? Uh, I think because I, like, didn't have people to really hang out with much, I had so much free time to write. So I think I learned how to write very fast because mm-hmm. I was constantly trying to keep myself entertained. Mm-hmm. That's actually, like, really, really interesting you say. But, like, what would you say, like, grounds you when you're writing? I'm actually not so sure. I just kind of feel, like, even when I was writing Ace of Space, I felt kind of almost possessed. When I get into something, I just feel like I can kind of block out the rest of everything else. Like, uh, especially when I'm writing at a coffee shop or something, I really um, can just ignore things and just, like, be very into the, the place I'm in. Well, sort of like a deep dive experience. Yeah. It's quite cool. I really like that. How have your friends been? Um, so I didn't tell anyone about my book deal. I got my book deal originally in 2018. And I didn't tell anyone. And mm. then I got my US book deal last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found out for, through that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, no. I like that, though. I like that. Keep it, keep it nice on the low until, you know. What were the text messages like? <laughs> yeah, I have to delete Snapchat. Facebook, Twitter, oh. Instagram. I didn't want to you talk did to anyone. It. Yeah. I, I don't like, I'm a very private person. And so uh. I, I don't really like, I think maybe because I'm African, I don't know. Because I just don't like sharing people's <laughs> life. Because evil lies real as well. Um, Listen, I was literally just about to bring that up. I was about to see you a believer in evil eye. I do, 100%. Keep your business on the law because that red eye is looking after you. It's so true. <laughs> I didn't tell anyone like um I just literally like even at uni when I would like speak to people and stuff and I was going mm-hmm. to do something like uh like an event or like um I don't know like I was going to go and write I would just lie mm-hmm. like, be like why are you always up at night 
I don't know. It's just something I eat, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You're right, though. Sometimes when you put things out on the internet, people are just, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think like sometimes mm. it's just being like, like someone said on Twitter one day, um, I found it really like relatable. Like uh, if you ask a Nigerian there, like what time they're going to travel, like mm-hmm. on like a plane or something, they're going to lie to you. God, it will never happen. It never like, and you're gonna Whatever. bring them down. No, <laughs> with your energy, you want to come and destroy my day with your energy. I think not. You don't even tell them the travel date. Like I, like I'm legit, like the same. Like I'll tell you my travel date the day I'm traveling, because like then what? The time still, you don't need to know that either. Then what? I'll tell you when I've landed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So sort of keeping all of this like to yourself. Can we? Can we say on on the pod? I mean, this is. We've seen, we obviously had a wee Google. Yeah. <laughs> As you do in preparation to speak to your guests. So, <laughs> I literally says a million dollar book deal. And what did your parents, how did you break it to your parents? Um, so, I got like, so I basically went on submission to the US uh, mm-hmm. last year and like early last year. And uh, I was updating my mom every time we get like an offer from like a mm-hmm. And um, the first offer was six figures. Mm-hmm. It was just like wild at first. Like I was just like telling my mom and she was just like, so happy. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was talking to my agent about like the way it would happen, like the like what could possibly hypothetically happen. And mm-hmm. she said, well, so-and-so publisher are really keen and it seems like they're willing to fight for it. And mm-hmm. like yeah. this publisher. So I was like, okay, cool. And she was like, well, maybe it's higher. Yep. And then I was like, okay, they may go higher. And then she called, she said, Frida, can I video chat you, please? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My man likes to be shaking. Yeah. And then she told me the amount and I was just like, I, I was mm-hmm. silent because I just couldn't believe it. Like my, my account at that point mm-hmm. was in, uh, I was in overdraft. I couldn't even go to Tesco probably. I was just Girl. like, yeah, it was... It was really, really like it was night and day. Like just the yeah. the contrast between my current like like situation at the time and like um, what was being said. So I was just in a lot of shock, and also I was really worried because while it seems very like nice and everything, um, mm-hmm. in publishing, um, big deals are big risks. Mm. It's not really. I see it as debt. Like it's not. You don't have to pay, mm. it back, but like it is like a debt because if your book doesn't do well like doesn't perform well you're mm-hmm. not gonna get another book deal mm-hmm. mm. it's really like high high stakes like you say like high you have to perform high yeah exactly but you know what we don't have any reservations or doubts i think you've put your heart and soul into this this book is like literally down our alley it absolutely resonates because you know what we are all hungry for a story that is told from our freaking perspectives like but not yeah. but at the same time like we want to god we just want to be written into the freaking world you know what i mean yeah i'm sick and tired of you know the black story being just the history books like come on yeah exactly like, i feel like growing up i was in a sunken place um <laughs> and oh god. when i was getting out of the sunken place i had to read a lot of like really dense history books and like autobiographies by like activists and stuff mm-hmm. and while I enjoy reading that type of thing I know that most people won't 
And so I really wanted to write something where it can still be fun, but also like introduce you to new concepts and like, like for example, when I was younger and something bad would happen, like something racist would happen, I didn't mm-hmm. have a language to know what it was. So I wanted mm-hmm. to write that so that people could have co- kind of like the language to articulate their experiences, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. not be a traumatic reading experience. So we're looking super forward to that. Um, so also we we know that you established a mentorship scheme for yeah. unagented writers of color. Could you just tell us a wee bit about that? So when I was querying and stuff, I just felt really lost because when someone decides they want to be a writer, like you never really know what to do next. You kind of just like, you mm. know, write a book, but like what happens after, it's really difficult to like uh, find that out unless you're doing so much research and stuff. And even when you do the research, there's so much that isn't out there. You have to just know, or you have mm-hmm. to have friends that know, but it's hard to make friends in the industry. So um, mm-hmm. what happened was I decided to get together like a group of my friends um, in publishing um, who are people of color as well. Mm-hmm. and set up a mentorship scheme where we would all pick like one or two mentees that were trying to become writers and basically be there to help them with their query package so like um what you need to query help them edit their query letter and like everything they need and also be there to answer all the like really difficult questions like things oh, yeah. that no one will answer on the internet mm-hmm. like what sort of- kind of questions come up like is so and so agent racist? Um, mm. This agent like good and stuff because we know like there's whisper uh, networks, but if you're not in the whisper networks, you just don't know. So you may yeah. end up with someone that is just awful and will ruin your career. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Also questions like, um, you know, are they giving me enough money for this? Um, right. Stuff like that. Do, Do you, you find know? like um, across you know your your program um, and the expertise that you guys have? Do you find that there are some agents that are like undervaluing writers of color? Oh, definitely. Like, sort of there's consistently. There's so many, but it's so hard to talk about it publicly because yeah. obviously mm. like, Americans love to sue people. Um, oh, yes. uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but also like it's really difficult because just generally prof- professionalism and coming across a certain way. And so we try to just make sure that enough people are in the whisper networks that like yeah. the message of oh avoid this agent because they're gonna ruin your career because mm-hmm. just, okay they undervalue people of color and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah. but that's a really great thing though because like you say like the information's not out there and yeah young youngins and other people are just going out there looking for things to be done but other people have other agendas for their exactly you know their passion which is absolutely crazy because mm-hmm like are you really gonna suck the soul out of someone's passion by for like for your own profit like come on but exactly, people yeah. do that like as much as we don't expect it and as much as we think it's all ridiculous because we all have a bit of humanity in us that's clearly not the case but it's yeah. great that you guys have that organization <laughs> so why would you laugh like that Susie? no no no, you're, no you're not you're not you're absolutely not and it's, no. it's mental that we have to protect ourselves in this way yeah. yeah it's really sad like um I wish that we could just go in and like you know have faith that people would want the best for us but unfortunately it's just not the case yeah so do you guys ever have like events or is that something that's in in the plans and the workshops um for the young writers and stuff yeah I think um I definitely want to do something in the future and mm-hmm. the thing is as well um with when I say young writers it's mostly like people that are young in their career not actually yeah wise so yeah. like one of my mentees i'm pretty sure she has kids and she's in her 40s mm-hmm. she's so talented 
um, and she got an agent. And um, yeah, it's just basically, I really want to do events in the future, like panels and stuff with the authors. Because uh, I'm very lucky to have like the friends I have, they're really like, they're best selling authors and stuff. And they're all people mm-hmm. of color. And wow. so it's like, they are really doing well in their field. And so it's almost like invaluable information. And yeah, I really want to do more things like that in the future, for sure. Um, okay, that. so let's move on to sort of the not final part of the pod. Do you have a Black Scott shout out of the week? I think I'm obsessed with, you know, Shooty? Yes. I'm yes. obsessed with him. I'm like, I just, I can't wait for uh, season three of Sex Education because... Mm. I just, he makes me so happy. Right? His joy just shines through the screen. Scene stealer. <laughs> like, I do you know how baffed I was when I heard him say Dutty Stinking Pig on, like, actual <laughs> telly? I was like, what? He didn't. Okay, Shirley, who is your Black Scott shout out of the week? My Black Scott shout out for the week is actually a very wonderful organization called Intercultural Youth Scotland. I think mm-hmm. I said that correctly. Mm-hmm. It's a platform basically for young people in Scotland, just uh, obviously just looking for a place to find like minded people. And obviously, they do mm-hmm. loads of things like, you know, like activism and just them i think they have also like dance spaces and whatnot mm-hmm. it's just really fantastic fantastic place so mm. big up intercultural youth scotland because i love it we really do need spaces like that no you're absolutely right and i think yeah. i've been to one of their dance things before mm-hmm. so definitely providing a wee space for black people um yeah. in scotland and for me my black scott pod i actually literally almost did the exact same one i did the first week that we did this which was be <laughs> united scotland um but instead i'm gonna shout out a photographer in fact let's um oh. shout out papa jay gunn who is a photographer based here in edinburgh scotland um and like honestly you've probably seen one of his works if you have been him yeah to be honest you've probably seen one of his works he does some stuff for um edinburgh evening news does mm-hmm. a few photo shoots like sort of here and there definitely wonderful pics yeah um, at the be united interview so yep and even even better he did like a uh he's got one of his photos published in the national portrait gallery sort of um i don't know it's like with the co-op and it's also got like the duke and duchess of cambridge like uh, kind of signing off on this one it's like a national portrait gallery and it is pretty cool it's called still and it's kind of like what's happened in the pandemic over the last year um and all that so definitely give it uh, check out uh, it's pretty cool yeah so frida any parting words for the people upcoming projects um when is the book out fundamentally when you know pre-orders are um available but uh, yeah when is the the physical book out and is it going to be on audible as well yes so um uh i guess i'll start with the book is going to be on audible i'm not sure when it will be coming to the uk i know that the u.s It'll be coming out on Tuesday in the US. Um, mm-hmm. book, well, the physical book will be coming out in the US on Tuesday, but it's coming out on the 10th of June in the UK. So hopefully the audio mm-hmm. will come out at the same time. And yeah, I any parting words? Um, I feel like people should just do what makes them happy. Life is very short. I always, it's kind of morbid, but my biggest fear is like waking up at like, when I'm like old, and feeling like I didn't do everything I wanted to do. Amen. Um, yeah, just literally do what makes you happy. Those Amen. are some very, very wise words. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And where can we find you on social media to catch your updates and I guess just keep up? Uh, so both on Twitter and Instagram, I'm Farida Likes Tea. Okay. Like a good cup of tea? What, what's your favourite cup of tea? I'm very basic. I just like English breakfast. or Scotland. It's a good tea. It's a good tea. It's a it good is. basic. Yes. What we put in? I trust you now. <laughs> I trust. Oh, no, like if you tell me you like green tea, I, we're going to have some words. But I actually, I trust you. I trust Thank you. you. Do you with, with, with milk and sugar? Uh, yes, a lot of milk and like honey maybe. Yes, girl. Mm. I trust you with my life. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> I love that. Okay, how many how many sugars if you if you're putting sugar? Okay, um, I'm not going to talk about that this because they love sugar. I um mm-hmm. I, for some reason I can taste every single ounce of sugar. So <laughs> yeah. very, very minimal, like half a mm-hmm. spoon. Nice. Sorry. <laughs> half a spoon. Half a spoon of sugar. Just wait till you hear how many spoonfuls of sugar Shirley oh puts God. in. You'll literally be like, how are you still on live? We don't talk about that on live, but it's four on a good day. Four. Yes. <laughs> if it's decaf, then it's three, because that's okay. She no, said four. four is, it's, what, what is decaf doing to four sugars? Um, minimalizing. Oh, no, and decaf <laughs> is three. Decaf is three because decaf is really sweet, but like on a good like a Yorkshire tea, like a four, sometimes a half is if, if it's like really strong. No, no. <laughs> with like no. some whole, with some whole milk, has to be whole milk. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we can catch you on Instagram. Uh, sorry, on Instagram on Twitter as um, Farida likes tea. Yes. Yep. Um. Are you on Instagram? Yes. Same. Same handle. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. So, guys, you already know like where you need to go. Um, and follow her, and definitely like, uh, pre-order the book, and also available on Audible for those of you who are like me. <laughs> I love listening to books on Audible because, lich, I don't know. I just feel like I'm a part of the story that way. And also, yeah, yeah. double do it. I would just read the book and listen to it at the same time. I'm the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. okay perfect so thank you so much for taking part in this episode of black scott pod we have thoroughly enjoyed you being here uh we hope you're not a stranger to the podcast um and absolutely like best of luck we are we are rooting for you okay <laughs> we can't wait for the netflix show to come out we would like, okay we would yeah. like to to see this netflix show um you know like she's surely like being there like uh, editing and whatnot because you know um netflix shows and whatnot we've we've always been saying this every single every single episode we're mm-hmm. gonna work on a show somehow somewhere somewhere, <laughs> somewhere so you know we're in there in your diary your little black yeah. book okay yeah uh no no seriously though all the best of luck i think you're gonna have a great time this is a fantastic book and it has been a pleasure getting to know you thank you so everything about the book you too okay guys so that is the end of this wonderful episode of black scott pod we can't wait to see you all next week uh where there will be a pop quiz on today's episode so make sure you brush up um just kidding but thank you so much for listening and we'll see you guys next time thank you bye
Have you tried finding tickets for any live event lately? It's impossible to keep up and prices are crazy. That's why you have to check out Gold Star. Gold Star makes it easy to discover the best in live entertainment in your city with instant access to awesome events and special ticket deals, concerts, live theater, comedy, dance, food fests, immersive experiences, you name it. Gold Star has access to special deals you won't find anywhere else with savings of 50% or more. Go to goldstar.com and use the code DCPOD to save $10 on your first purchase. That's goldstar.com, code DCPOD to save $10.